SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Sports gaming strategies and information you won't find anywhere else. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. This is the Sports Grid Radio Network. Are you ready? This is Pushing the Odds. Pushing the Odds. Live from Las Vegas. Vegas, baby, Vegas! Here's your host, Matt Peralt. Welcome to a Friday edition of Pushing the Odds here on Sports Grid Radio Channel 204. We are here exclusively for our first hour on Sirius XM for Sports Grid Radio. Welcome in the Sports Map Radio audience, folks, coming up at the top of the hour. We will talk a lot about the college football playoff today, the announcement that was made yesterday about how they're going to determine the national champion in college football. We've got all bunch of a whole bunch of Canada. And Canadians and Montreal fans all up in arms now that they're going to be playing the Golden Knights. And they are monster. And I mean monster underdogs against the Vegas Golden Knights. Minus 420. Minus 440. Minus 460. Depending on the book, no one's giving Montreal much of a shot to beat the Vegas Golden Knights. And I'm kind of one of them. I think it's a five or six game series. Don't see it going seven. And I don't see Montreal winning a single game in Las Vegas. The Colorado Avalanche, who I think are a much better hockey team, top to bottom, than Montreal. They could not win a game here in Las Vegas. They lost last night 6-3. to three. They lost game three. They lost game four. They don't have home ice. Game one, Monday, here in Vegas. And it's a monster advantage. It's a monster, monster advantage. We'll get into that coming up today. We've got the NBA playoffs games to talk about. What was that last night between Brooklyn and Milwaukee? That wasn't a basketball game. That was like a bad pickup game at the Y. I mean, they could, no one could hit anything. Now, am I bitter because I was on the over? Yeah. But that was ugly. I mean, ugly, ugly. And somehow, Milwaukee wins without Kevin Durant taking the biggest shots of the game for the Nets. What? What's going on there? That's where coaching comes in. That's where saying, okay, here's a chance for us to figure out how do we get the basketball into the best player's hands and how do we make sure that double teams do not stop Kyrie or Kevin Durant from getting the basketball? Because there are guys who shot late in that game that blew wide open layups because they're not supposed to be shooting in that moment. And they did. So we'll get to that a little bit. We've got a lot of really fun things to get to with the two games tonight that I'm really excited about. Atlanta against Philadelphia tonight is a really interesting game. And I can't wait to watch and see what gets reported over the next couple of hours from all the books. Because I want to know where the public's going to be on this. I'm on Atlanta. I took the one point. Atlanta's been one of the best teams all year at home, ATS. They're a home dog tonight, or they were last night. I haven't seen the latest line as to where we were, but I, I took it as a home dog last night, and I was like, you're giving me a point? It's 1-1 in this series. They have home court. 
and you're giving me the numbers up now to one and a half. You're giving me one and a half points. I'm getting a point and a half with the Atlanta Hawks tonight. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I could be dead wrong, and maybe you're saying Embiid and they figured it out in game two. That's how the series is going to go. I have a bet on Atlanta to win the series. I think Atlanta wins both games at home. I think they win game three. I think they win game four. And then we'll see if Philadelphia can go back and protect home court to keep the thing alive and send it back. But I I think Atlanta's the better team here in this series. And right now, they're just more dangerous. And they had a bad night. Bogdanovich shot poorly. Trey Young shot poorly. The defensive effort was better for Philadelphia. I like Atlanta tonight. Plus one and a half at home, given what they've done over the last three months at home. Yeah, absolutely. Give me Atlanta. And then the Suns and the Nuggets. Boy, everyone's saying the change of venue is going to change the way this game is going to get played and that everything's going to change for Denver at home. I'm just not a subscriber to that. And I bet over 222.5 last night. I'm going to let this line kind of settle a little bit. Phoenix is on the road catching 1.5 points. I mean, maybe Nikola Jokic plays incredibly well in Game 3. And maybe everything changes. Maybe CP3's shoulder starts to act up. And maybe the team hits can't hit shots. It's very possible. Changing venues can change series. I'm not debating that. But Denver has looked so bad in the first two games. To the point where Michael Malone, their head coach, had to call them out after the loss of Game 2 and said that the team quit. Said that he was going to start five guys who wanted to play. And he was going to have a hard time finding five guys who wanted to play. I mean, this is the playoffs. This is not like, you know, a February, mid-February slump. Like, this is in the postseason the head coach is claiming publicly my team quit. I don't know how the team responds to that. We'll find out. They may rally or they may lay down. I, I don't know if I can get behind Denver here tonight against the Phoenix Suns. You know, maybe the home crowd and home cooking and everything works out well, and Jokic puts up 40 points. But DeAndre Ayton has been extremely effective in this series, at least limiting, not stopping, but limiting Nikola Jokic. And it's a big deal for this game coming up tonight. I, I don't know how you can you make a case for the Nuggets if you want, but much like yesterday, I said, you know, can somebody please make a case for the Milwaukee Bucks to cover that three-and-a-half-point line? And, well, nobody really could. The only answer I got was my my model tells me to lay the three-and-a-half. What happened? Milwaukee by three. Brooklyn covers. Big win for the public. Bad night for the books. Those topics and more coming up. It's our four big stories. The big four on the other side. And we'll talk a lot about the college football playoffs as well. It's pushing the odds right here on a Friday. Sports Grid Radio, Channel 204. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Everybody's got an opinion. Go ahead. Ask them. But only a few have an opinion informed by expert analysis and experience. It's called trust. It's why we're here. For you. Keep it here and get the edge. You're listening to the Sports Grid Radio Network. 
You're listening to Pushing the Odds. Live from Las Vegas, here's Matt Peralt. All right, so we got live weigh-ins going on for UFC 263 in Arizona. Israel Adesanya has yet to come to the scale, but Marvin Vittori, the challenger in the middleweight division, the headline challenger, will make weight today, has made weight, 184.5. Brendan Moreno, who is fighting for the lightweight uh, belt, the flyweight belt, actually, uh, at minus 125. He makes weight. Leon Edwards, who's fighting against Nate Diaz in a five-rounder, he made weight at 170.5. So everything going smoothly so far for the main fights here tomorrow night. Wait for Adesanya and Devison Figueredo, the two champions, to make the scale and to make weight today. So we have a main event and a co-main, but the challengers both have made weight today at 184.5. Vittori comes in under the 185 maximum, and Brandon Moreno hits it at 125 on the nose. So we are good there for the two challengers. We'll wait on the, I'll wait on the two... Uh, cha- the two champions and Figueredo coming in uh, for the, his flyweight belt and Adesanya coming in for his middleweight belt here for Saturday night. It's an amazing card. It, it really is. More on that here in, in just one second, but it's a really, really good card. And if you are a mixed martial arts fan, it's a really, I mean, there are certain pay-per-views I will tell you that I'm like, eh. Now, this is a good card. Like, this is a Saturday night card where you start watching early. You watch the prelims. You watch the pre-prelims all the way. And it's just these are the types of cards that separate the UFC from boxing. And this is the type of card that gets everybody really excited about the sport. And it's what boxing needs to mimic. And boxing can't do this, but it hasn't done it yet. But they promote the entire card. And you start looking down the card and you see names that you know and fighters who you have watched. And you may not know everything about them, but you know a little bit about them. Like Drew Dober is fighting in the prelim headline event for the prelims. And that's a young guy who has been you know, seen as the potent- a potential star in the UFC. If he can stack wins, build his resume, build the ranking... And we know about that because the UFC does a good job of putting him out there and having conversations and it, it, you know, putting him on interviews and having him talk about his career. And, and boxing just doesn't do that. It's all about the main event. It's all about the big-time fighters. And the prelims are totally brushed aside and ignored. And boxing needs to do a better job of self-promotion, making fighters available, telling their story, telling how they got to where they are, and then putting together really good fights on the undercard of these big-time fights. And people will learn about them. They will follow those fighters, and they'll have experience. They'll bet on the fighter, and they'll know more about him or her. And it needs to happen with boxing soon because the, the gap, that's why we're getting the Mayweather-Logan Paul crap. That's why. Because people like boxing. People enjoy boxing. They want to watch boxing, but they want the story. They want the entertainment factor. If you don't know who the person is, and you watch them fight, and you don't know the story, you don't know their talent, you tend to ignore it. It's, it's just not, you don't have an emotional connection to it. It's like, eh, all right, that's fine. Like, I want to know. I want to know. What, who are you? What are you doing? What are you about? That's what I care about. And that's up to the, to the promotion. That's up to the, the networks. That's up to us in the media to tell those stories. 
But it's also up to the promotion, the promoters, to make those fighters available and to have those stories be told. That's also a problem. Not everyone wants to talk to the media. Not everybody wants to be having conversations about the media, about their fight with the media. All right, our four big stories today. We start with the college football playoffs. Times they are changing again. It looks like in 2023, there will be a 12-team playoff. The format, we'll go over it a lot today. But man, if you want an expansion, you got it. I'm not sure I'm in love with it, but I guess you could say it's better than four. Paul Feinbaum of ESPN on the new format. It cannot start based on what the the CFP is telling us until 23. It's possible. I don't think it's likely, but it's possible it could go even deeper depending on how the networks, which, of course, is ESPN uh, as the partner, figure figure out how how to pay for all this. Um, I, yeah, there's always a little bit of room, and, and what, what we heard yesterday is going to be certified next week, but it will not be officially agreed upon until probably September. More on it coming up later in the program. Number two, the Utah Jazz went up 2-0 on the L.A. Clippers last night. They won again thanks to a big push in the second half. The Clippers were down 0-2 to the Mavericks, and they did come back to win. But are the Jazz... Mavericks, Paul George believes in his team. He thinks they can do it again. Well, we got to give him credit. This is a tough opponent. They weren't, they weren't number one um, in the West for, for you know, no reason. Um, this is a tough team. But, you know, we, we're approaching this the same way Dallas was. You know, we, we still feel we have a lot of possessions uh, that we can clean up and a lot of possessions that are hurting us that that's, you know, our fault. You know, and so as good as they're playing, as good as, you know, this matchup is as tough as this matchup is. We still feel like there's there's moments throughout this game, uh, this series that you know we're making plays that are that are self-inflicted. And so again, it's it's uh, it's it's a lot of uphill, but you know we're optimistic that you know we can get this under control, go back home, and uh, you know one game at a time, but try to tie this series up. Number three, the Vegas Golden Knights knocked out the Colorado Avalanche last night in game six, winning six to three at home. They are into the Stanley Cup semifinals. It's a it's the seventh series win for Vegas in their four years of being a franchise. That's never been done before in professional sports. Vegas will face the Montreal Canadiens. They are heavy, heavy favorites to advance to the Stanley Cup Finals. It would be a really big upset if Montreal was able to knock out Vegas, but you got to play the games to see. Alex Petrangelo of the Golden Knights talked about the winning culture he joined when he signed with Vegas this past summer. I mean, uh, it, it's pretty impressive. Um, I think it's a culture, a winning culture that was built here since the first year. And, uh, you know, there's different guys that have come in, but that culture has stayed, and, and it's important. And, uh, you know, starts with ownership and trickles its way down. And everybody here wants to win. We all share that same passion. So um, it started here, like I said, since day one, and it continues to be the same thing. Seven series wins. Toronto hasn't had one since 2004. Vegas has seven in four years. It's unbelievable what this Golden Knights team has accomplished since joining the NHL. The bar for the Seattle Kraken could not be higher. 
<laughs> like it could not be higher for the next expansion team to join the NHL to see what impact they're going to make. And fourth and finally, UFC 263 is tomorrow night in Arizona where Israel Adesanya will put up his middleweight belt against Marvin Vittori. Second time these two guys fought. First time it was a decision, full five-round fight, won by Israel Adesanya. Last time we saw Izzy, it was after he lost to Jan Blankovic and a fight where he went after the vacant light, hate, light heavyweight belt. He got beat up pretty good in that fight. After he lost, Adesanya tried to put the, the, the loss in perspective and said he'd be back. No regrets. No regrets. Um, like I said, this is, like I don't know, I feel like boxing or the boxing module or model has um, made it a bad thing to lose, which is, yeah, it sucks losing, don't get me wrong, but it's not like the end of the world. It's a good point. Because in mixed martial arts, losing and having losses on your record really isn't that big of a deal because of how fast the fights happen, the different nature of the fights, how they, you know, four-ounce gloves, how the fights can end quicker than in boxing. And again, the UFC promotes the entire card. Boxing promotes the top guys. So if you have that loss, you're no longer that 30-0 and 0 with 25 knockouts, that resume that gets put up on the screen that makes everybody ooh and ah. In boxing, it's a really big deal to keep that O. In the UFC, nah, not that big of a deal. It's more of a bracket format. It's more about going through the rankings and beating guys on the way up and on the way down. Different world. I prefer the UFC model personally because we get bigger fights between up-and-comers and veterans. And no one's worried about that O the way it is in boxing. You protect that way too much. Let's talk about the two games tonight in the NBA. Break them down. Take a look at what's happening in both future playoff series that start on Sunday and Monday here next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We're here 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 52 weeks a year. Don't believe us. Never turn us off. You'll see. Keep listening to the Sports Grid Radio Network. This is Pushing the Odds. Live from Las Vegas, here's Matt Peralt. All right, so if you guys were with me yesterday, you, you heard what I was talking about for the Pittsburgh Pirates. And the fact that the Pirates now are 41-20 and 20 to the yes to score in the first inning. Well, someone just found this stat and sent it to me on Twitter. The yes run in the first inning has hit in each of the last 11 road games for the Pirates. It's even money today. Now, the problem I've got with this and... For the podcast I do, The Daily Juice, I didn't use this bet. I looked at it. I made this bet personally. This is just my own play. But uh, the the pitching matchup is not great today, and you can you, you see why. I mean, Milwaukee's offense is not very good. And the starter, Chase DeJong, for the Pittsburgh Pirates, 
He's 0-2, two runs being scored in the first inning of his starts. And Brendan Woodruff's a really good pitcher. He's 4-2 with a 1.42 ERA. So you've got a really good pitcher for the Brewers going, and you've got a starter for the Pirates that's okay. He's not great, but his whip is 1.3, and a lineup for the the Brewers that is just not good. Now, maybe somebody gets into one, and that's kind of the hope that somebody for the Brewers gets into one in the bottom of the first inning. And gets you, you know, a one nothing like yesterday. Mookie Betts hit a home run, and that cashed on the bet quickly and easily because Mookie let off the game, I think, or was the second batter of the game, and hit a home run for the Dodgers, and that cashed the yes. The Pirates have a negative eighty one run differential, but the Brewers, who have a really good pitching staff, they have basically a flat run differential. 246 runs scored and 245 runs given up. Okay, it's, it's it's a plus one. They're 35 and 27 thanks to their pitching staff. They're they've won eight of the last ten, and the hope is that maybe their bats are starting to come alive here a little bit, and maybe the Brewers can scratch out a run early. I'm on it, and I just I didn't use it for my podcast last night, but I, I use I'm on it today. It's even money, so. 11 in a row, These are. this is what happens when trends get to this level. I, I was talking to Dave Sherapin about this yesterday. I was like, hey, normally gambling Twitter figures this out. Now, a Pirates fan who listens to my podcast is the one that identified this, and he's been betting this every single game. 41 and 20 is not a small sample size. That's a third of the year. And so this has been a very profitable wager. It's going to even itself out. The books are going to catch on to this. If more and more people start playing this and they start jumping on it, well, then you're going to wind up getting higher juice and we're going to see, you know, if enough people start betting it, well, it'll rise. I don't want, I don't want that to happen, mind you, but I like passing along this information because look, if you're somebody who is looking for trends and you want to follow a profitable trend, I'm not saying this trend will continue forever, but I did not know about this trend until about two weeks ago when this listener to my podcast started to say, hey, Matt, you got to look at this. Like, I've been playing this consistently, and this is hitting, and it's hitting a lot. And that was 14 days ago. And now, I mean, I'm calling it a 42-19 and record instead of 41-20 and because of the guy missing first base with the Dodgers and the Pirates last Wednesday. Or what was it? It was... Tuesday of this week, right? Yeah, Tuesday. And so that should have cashed. <laughs> so, like, realistically, if that guy doesn't miss first base, if the rookie Hayes for the Pirates hits a home run and he misses first base, if that doesn't happen, it's a, it's really 42-19 and 19 that this is hit. So it, it is it is very profitable. We're talking over 65% here for, you know, the books aren't going to let you take, you know, put down big money on it, and it's a very fast wager. But yes, no run in the first inning is a really interesting wager. And if your book offers it, I would take a look at it. And, you know, I've played this now for three straight days. I should be 3-0. and I'm 2-1 and only because of that ridiculous missing of first base. I'm back on it here again today. But like I mentioned, I don't feel great about it today. I could see that. I could see it snap. But one of the things about these trends, they get popular. The public comes in and bets them. And then after losing a couple of times, they'll shy away and they'll stop betting it. This is this should be a pretty profitable trend, just given the way the pitchers are for the Pirates. They have a very poor starting rotation. And so they give up runs early. And then their lineup is not horrible. 
So their lineup's got some pop. They've got some young guys. And so they can score as well in the first inning, depending on who they're playing. So offense early in pirate games are just something that we're seeing. So watch that. Look for that. 41 and 20 so far this year for yes to a run in the first inning. And according to this person who found this stat out for me, it is 11 straight road games. Pirates are on the road today against the Brewers where a run has been scored in the first inning. Again, even money because of who's on the mound for the Brewers. But maybe the Brewers can give us a run or maybe the Pirates walk into one and we get a lucky break with Woodruff on the mound. He's a very tough pitcher, but we'll see. So that's one play to take a look at coming up here for tonight. I took Atlanta plus one today against Philadelphia. The number has risen up to plus one and a half. My guess is that it'll continue to climb throughout the entire day as the public will come in here on the Philadelphia 76ers. We've got a lot of these books out there who are reporting 86% of the handle, 85% of the handle. Everyone, the public is all over the Philadelphia 76ers. I'm on Atlanta. I'm perfectly comfortable fading the public here. Perfectly comfortable. I mean, it feels like the pros and the Joes are both on Philadelphia here, although you know, 15% of the handle, somewhere in that range, there's definitely some contrarian money coming in on Atlanta, which I've got. This is not reverse line movement. This is how the line is moving because all the, all the money is coming in really one-way traffic on Philadelphia. So the line goes from one last night, now up to one and a half. It could close at two, two and a half. There's a lot of, of this data out there about road favorites. I think road favorites are 10 and three ATS in the postseason. But home favorites are dominating right now, like last night. Home favorites, although Milwaukee didn't cover, they did win. They didn't cover by the hook. Suns, sorry, Jazz do wind up covering and winning at home last night against the L.A. Clippers. So you've got a lot of people on the Sixers and the over 224.5 right now. 65% of the money coming in here at most books on Philadelphia and Atlanta to go over 224 and a half. I don't know how I feel about that. I I could see Philadelphia clamping down and saying, look, we're not going to get into a shootout on the road with the Hawks, and we're going to try to grind out more possessions and and slow things down and play, you know, a game, a 110-105 type of game, and we don't get to 224 and a half. So I'd be inclined to be on the under, but I don't have a play on that. I'm just taking the one point. Give me Atlanta, who has been tremendous at home, straight up and ATS this year. Atlanta's been one of the best teams in the entire NBA against the number at home. And I I have them winning this series. This is a big game. Game three is a pivotal game. Atlanta needs this. If they're going to win this series, Atlanta needs to protect home court and win tonight. I got Trey Young having a big night tonight. Give me the Hawks plus one, plus one and a half against Philadelphia. The second game tonight, the Suns at the Nuggets. I don't know what to make of this. So I bet the over 222.5 last night because the Nuggets have to play better offensively. And Jokic is the MVP. If if this dude is the MVP, he'll go for 35 and 15 tonight. Like he has to have the game of his life. Like this is his team, it's his legacy. This is the game. He's at home, they're down 0 2. If they can't win this, if he can't win this, the series is over. And I will look around for all the attack pieces. We talked about it a ton yesterday. That there's no way that any other MVP would be getting the pass 
that Nikola Jokic is getting right now for his team being down 0-2. It's like nobody even believes he's the most valuable player. And it's like, oh, yeah, he just won the award, and we're not going to talk about him in the same. He's not in the same conversation as Giannis and LeBron and Russell Westbrook and all these players who have won the MVP recently. He's not in that conversation. He's a center. He's a goofy dude. It's a goofy year. It's fine. Give him the trophy and like pat him on the head. Like that. That's why I feel like the media is treating Jokic. They're giving him such a massive pass. And I'm like, I'm not ready to do that. Like you guys are claiming you voted for him. You're claiming this guy's the most valuable player in the NBA. He's a center in a guard dominant league. He's a dude that shoots threes. Sometimes his team is down 0-2. They've been blown out both times. He scored less than 25 points in both games in game one and game two. And no one's ripping this dude. If Jamal Murray was that important to the team, why is Jokic the MVP? Why did he win it? I don't care about numbers and the stats and blah, blah, blah. He's a center in a league dominated by guards. And your retort might be, well, Matt, who, who wins it? Joel Embiid? Maybe. But Embiid is a guy who has more of an impact on games, in my opinion, than Jokic does night in and night out. Jokic is really, really important, okay? But Joel Embiid, when you watch the two guys, who would you take? Jokic or Embiid, when healthy, okay? Ask yourself that. I'm taking Embiid all day long, every day, all day. I'm taking Joel Embiid. I like Jokic. Incredible story. Where he came from, second-round pick, chubby, fat, weird, goofy, right? All that stuff. But it's interesting that the that 60 70% of the money at folks coming in on the Suns, there's a reason for that. No one buys this. Not no one, but most people don't buy the Nuggets to win tonight, that they've got problems. That Chris Paul, who is the most valuable player on the court in this series, it's Chris Paul, not Nikola Jokic. If he doesn't win tonight... I better see the NBA media come for that dude for what he's doing because it's really embarrassing right now for the Denver Nuggets. All right, next, let's get into some NBA betting. Let's talk to Brandon Anderson. Two games tonight. Where is he? Next here. I'm pushing the out. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Football, the goal line. Baseball, home plate. Basketball, the net. Sports talk, right here. You're listening to the Sports Grid Radio Network. You're listening to Pushing the Odds. Live from Las Vegas, here's Matt Peralt. All right, let's talk some NBA betting with Brandon Anderson from the Action Network at we on Brando on Twitter. You guys want to follow him here on a Friday. Brendan, Matt Peralt, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing today? I am wonderful. Hey, let's start with last night, and then we'll get to the games coming up here tonight. You know, the Utah Jazz are up two games to none on the L.A. Clippers. The Clippers went down 0-2 to the Dallas Mavericks. Paul George is saying that, hey, we did this before, but 
What do you make of L.A. being down 0-2, and do you think they can come back from this deficit again? Man, the Clippers just like to make things as as hard as they possibly can on themselves. I mean, this team, it match, they match well with Utah. Like, they're they're playing pretty well. They have good moments. Paul George has been ice cold for, like, a couple of weeks now. He hit a few shots late there. But uh, I think that the Clippers are – like they, they can win any game against Utah. They can win any game against anyone. I don't think that they're dead, um, but they've got to win four out of five now against a really good Jazz team. And yeah, they just did that, but the Jazz are a lot better than the Mavericks. And it, it's going to be a steep challenge. And then they're going to be coming off, even if they do survive, probably two back-to-back seven-game series. So it, it's a rough spot. You know, when you look at the Utah Jazz and the way they've won without Mike Conley, if, if they get him back in this series, I, I don't think the Clippers can come back. I mean, is, is, is that – how do you feel about the Conley injury? And if he returns to this series, how much, how much more of a problem will this Utah Jazz team be for the Clippers? Yeah, I think the Conley injury is really big. And to win these two games without him – I mean, it's nothing short of this superstar, absolute superstar Donovan Mitchell performance would have mm. done it these last two games. He's been incredible. And my only concern with the Jazz is that it sure looked like, what was that, with like 10 seconds left last night, and him and Paul George ran into each other, and he sure looked upset. Like, he, yeah. he looked like a dude who thought that he re-injured his ankle. And Bojan Bogdanovic looked a little bit hurt last night. Conley is still a question mark, and because the Clippers went seven last series, we're going every two games of the finish line here. And the Jazz, like the whole thing with Utah is they have like eight really good players, and they just keep playing them. But if the top of that list, Conley and possibly Mitchell, possibly Bojan, like mm-hmm. they, it could go the other way too, and they could just start to run out of bodies here, and that would really swing L.A.'s way. So that's the key thing I'm watching is just what's the injury status of those Utah guys. Interesting. All right, Milwaukee and Brooklyn last night played a game that we're going to call basketball. I'm not entirely <laughs> sure that that was basketball. Uh, that was one of the uglier games I've ever seen. Ooh. It went so far under the projected total that it was historically bad in terms of the lack of offense. What happened last night in your mind with those two teams <laughs> that could do anything? I, I don't know what happened. The Nets, I think, decided – you know, this doesn't seem fair. We are winning this series so easily. Let's just find out what happens if we just don't try for an entire first quarter. Let's see if we can beat them anyways. And then they almost did. You know, <laughs> they did almost nothing for an entire first quarter. They went down like 20-plus. Chris Middleton finally showed up, had a huge game. And how many chances did Brooklyn still have to be able to pull this off? Down James Harden, down 20 early on the road. Middleton finally having his big game. It, I mean, this was ugly. This, the the shooting numbers, the Giannis free throws and the oh. three pointers. I mean, I I think I I saw Zach Lowe tweeted that he was going to call this a rock fight, but it feels insulting to rock fights. Uh, I, I live in Chicago area. I was thinking about driving up to this game on Sunday for Game Four. But, I mean, I feel like I could just stay home and ram my head against the wall for a few hours and save myself the trout. <laughs> Brandon Anderson, the Action Network, joining us here and pushing the odds. I, I'm with you. And what's really kind of crazy is that the Nets were right there. Like, they had a chance to win the game yep. after all the nonsense in the first quarter, and they couldn't score to save their lives. 
and then it was like Milwaukee was doing everything in their power just to hand it over. Brooklyn did this against Boston. They lost game three, and then they took care of business the rest of the way. Same thing happening here in your mind? So I think so. But similar to what I said about Utah, this is not the Celtics. The Bucks are very broken right now. Like this is, It's not working right for them. They had a great stretch in game three, but the, this was supposed to be the preview, or this was supposed to be the NBA Finals. Like we, we waited all year for this series, and then I thought in that first minute of game one when James Harden went out, I was like, oh, man, we blew it. We didn't get the series we wanted, and Milwaukee should have been the better team. And it's been anything but that the next couple of games as, as the, the Nets just ran through them. But <clears throat> I think Brooklyn still is in charge here. I think they come out and, and get the second game to Milwaukee, go home and end this in five. I just don't think Milwaukee has the answers. But you don't want to leave the door open. This yeah. is the sort of game where you could look back. I mean, Brooklyn, Brooklyn is all about their three stars. We don't know when Harden will be back. And we know that Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving at any moment could, could be gone, could disappear, could tweak something again. That's not a team that you want to play around and give them more chances uh, with. And Milwaukee is a team that could, could figure something out at some point. So uh, I'm not ready to, to bail on Brooklyn yet. I think that they were the better team when coming to the series. But this is a pivotal point. Milwaukee kept their very faint hopes alive. That's all that they're at right now. But the hopes are less faint now. They, they could still do this. It's going to take another swing. But they, they kept the life support going. All right, Brendan, tonight we've got two games. Let's start with the late game and move into the, 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 the uh, because it's, it's, it's the 0-2 matchup here. Yes. The books in Vegas have been crying and whining because nobody is going to bet Phoenix in the first quarter and no one's going to bet Phoenix in the first half. They may bet him for the game, but what do you make of Denver here doing what Milwaukee just did, which is basically you're down 0-2, you go home, you win the first quarter, you win the first half. It's been extremely profitable. Do you see that yep. happening again here with Denver tonight? It's really hard to bet against that. I mean, like you said, that's, that's been the betting trend for, for years now, and the books have adjusted to try to remove that a little bit. But when a team goes down 0-2 and then returns home, and you got the home crowd factor, you got that huge adrenaline push at the beginning, you know, your season's on the line. How, like all of us listening right now can picture that scenario. We've seen that team show up <laughs> so many times, and we know that's how it goes. And then on top of it, it's the Nuggets. This is the team that last year in the bubble was down 3-1 twice and won the series. And they did that without a starter then. And, like, we, we know that this team, we know that they face adversity and that they show up. So I, I like the Suns. They were my, my uh, most confident series pick in the second round, and they've looked apart so far. Uh, tonight is a stay away for the most part for me. I still think Phoenix is the better team, but I, I am tired of losing money betting against the Nuggets when they're, <laughs> they're all the reasons for them not to win, but they just – they show up, and Jokic is the MVP. He hasn't had that huge game yet. Um, yeah, I, it's mostly a stay away for me, but I, I don't mind playing the Nuggets early on, no matter how much money is pouring in on it already. Yeah, it's actually not that bad. I mean, you can get a first quarter price right now in a, in a first half price, too, of 
minus a half a point. So just be leading yeah. after, after the first quarter and leading at half, and you can cash both those bets right now for the Nuggets. But I think it's a really good chance that Nugget, the Nuggets are leading at the half and leading after the first quarter. So I, I think that I, I'm on the over, but I also will be on the on Denver here. I love Phoenix in the way they're playing, but I, I'm with you. For a game total, I'm staying away here because I could see the Suns winning this, but I also could see Denver and Michael Malone making some pretty big changes. I mean, he told the public his team quit in game two. It's a pretty <laughs> big statement. I mean, it's a, uh, that's a yeah. shot to the heart for an NBA locker room. So I would expect the Nuggets to come out here with their hair on fire to start. And then the final game tonight, or the first, first game tonight, but the final game we'll talk about, Atlanta hosting Philadelphia. I have Atlanta winning this series, and I have Atlanta covering the one and a half tonight. H- how do you feel about Philadelphia? There's a lot of public money coming in here on the Sixers tonight. Yeah, so I've got to disagree with you on that one. I had Atlanta in the series coming in. Uh, I, I, and then, of course, the Hawks won game one, and I was feeling really good about that, um, especially when Embiid actually played that whole game and looked right. quite good, and DeAndre Hunter didn't play, and the Hawks still won the game anyways. Unfortunately, from the point of view of someone that took the Hawks, that the injury status of those two guys seems to be settling in now. Embiid is still going to keep getting listed as questionable every night, but this is as healthy as Embiid's going to get in the series. We're, we're on two days off here, so that's an extra day, and Embiid sure has not looked unhealthy when he's putting up like 40 points a night on this team. Capella and whatever else they're throwing at him, they have no answers for him. He's not going to get any healthier this series than off the extra day of rest, and the Hawks, I think, are really missing DeAndre Hunter. It, it's Solomon Hill instead, and he has been a dumpster fire. Like, he was like minus 18 in game two. They can't get him off the court fast enough. And I, I like Philadelphia tonight. That's my best bet tonight is Philadelphia Ooh. to cover. The only, the only thing that I might pause on is that we're returning to Atlanta, and, you know, we're going to get that same thing. We're, it wouldn't surprise me at all to see the Hawks get a quick start as the crowd is rocking. So... Mm. I, I won't be afraid if they do get that quick start and get out to that five to eight point lead, or whatever, early on. That you know, I think that's an even better chance to to come back and, and grab Philadelphia. We've seen big runs in both of the games in that series. Um, neither one of these teams has really been in this big of a moment before like this, and so mm. those runs are going to come back and forth. And I, I like the Sixers tonight, and I really like them in the series at this point. Uh, and until we see that that Embiid injury is actually going to bother him, his injury factor and then Hunter being out just swings the series too much for me. Hmm. 25 and 13 at home against the number for Atlanta this year, one of the best in the, in the NBA. Hmm. Sixers are 17, 19, and 2 to the number on the road. But I, I think you're right about the rest for Embiid, which is really big. But it, 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 to me, it comes down to Trey Young. I mean, Trey's got to go and, yeah. and do Trey, Trey Young things. And if Trey does what he did in game one, I think they'll wind up winning. And I, but if he, if he plays like he did in game two, then no. I mean, in Philly's defense, this is why I'm not touching the total. I, I could see Philadelphia really grinding it tonight and saying, look, we're not going to get yeah. track meet on the road with Atlanta and let Trey Young get into the open court free. We're going to try to find ways to keep him away from the basketball and slow down the tempo. So I, I think the under might be in play tonight, but – uh, I'm I'm not going to go near it because Young can do well Trey Young type things if he starts putting up thirty <laughs> and forty point type nights. I think it's going to be a really fun game and a fascinating one and hopefully a much better game than Nets and Bucks that we saw last night. Brandon, great hopefully. stuff, man. Thank you for the time. Really appreciate you coming on. Thanks. Thanks for having me.
That is Brandon Anderson from the Action Network joining us here on Pushing the Odds. His best bet tonight, he likes Philadelphia to cover that one-and-a-half-point line on the road. I'm on the other side. I like Atlanta tonight at plus one-and-a-half here at home. Home dogs. Road favorites in the in the NBA have been profitable. Road, I mean, home favorites in the NBA have been profitable. Just NBA favorites in general have been very profitable here this season. And, you know, it's, it's hard to take dogs right now for that very reason, just simply because of how we've seen the home favorites perform and, and the road favorites for that matter. I think they're 10-3 and three road favorites. So it factors right into that if you want to jump on that same trend. I get it. It, 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 I'm, I'm fading those numbers, and I'm, I'm banking on Trey Young and the Atlanta Hawks here because I have a bet on them to win the series, and Game 3 is pivotal pivotal in this series. They've got to win this series, this game, if they're going to win this series, in my mind. We'll get further into Atlanta and Philadelphia coming up next. We've got more to come, including a breakdown of the card for UFC 263 tomorrow night in Phoenix. It's pushing the odds here on Friday. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. As you continue listening to Sports Grid, ask yourself and be honest. Am I listening enough? Probably not. 16 hours a day. That's all we ask. This is the Sports Grid Radio Network. You're listening to Pushing the Odds. Live from Las Vegas, here's Matt Peralt. Okay, so these are the numbers going into last night, so they're a little bit off. But road favorites are 10-3 and three against the spread, like I mentioned. We've got, so yesterday, road favorites, there wasn't a road favorite yesterday in the NBA. So that number still holds. Both home teams were favored yesterday. So that number holds. So 10-3 so and three going into tonight. So if you like Philadelphia, you're following that trend of a road favorite at 10-3 and three ATS in the NBA postseason. Favorites overall are now 37 and 21, which is about 65% ATS after the Jazz at home covered. And well, actually, you know what? Were the Clippers favored yesterday? And the Clippers were favored yesterday, weren't they? So I think it's now it's road favorites are 10 and 4, right? Clippers were because the Jazz, I'm gonna remember if the Jazz closed its favorites or not last night. That number was kind of it was minus three, but I think it might have no, it was Utah minus three. Yeah, that's right. Okay, yeah, Utah was favored. So still 10 and 3 for road favorites. Favorites overall are 37 and 21. Jazz were favored. They win and cover. The Nets were dogs and they covered at plus three and a half, minus three. Again, that number, that hook is becoming very, very much in play over the last couple of days here. Laying minus three, three and a half, really, it, it does matter. But the Jazz improved, improved to six and one against the spread here in the postseason last night. The Nets improved to seven and one against the spread in the postseason last night. And the Suns tonight take their six and two record up against the Nuggets against the spread. And they are catching points. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see where this number winds up closing. Phoenix plus one and a half, plus two, plus two and a half. We'll see how the day goes and how the numbers go. But 
I'm not on the Suns. I'm on the over 222 and a half. Denver first quarter, Denver first half, I think are both very good bets to make. But I totally understand, you know, when you're looking at Phoenix, where they've played, man, they've been so, so good. Next, we're welcoming the Sports Map Radio audience. Got a full hour to go, including Nick Kalakis coming on from On the Line, the UFC show on Fight Pass about UFC 263. A lot more to come on our Fridays, pushing the odds. Don't move. Coming at you all day, every day, with more attitude than other lesser networks would deem appropriate.